Hello everyone and welcome to Under 30, a podcast brought to you by the partnership between the European Commission and the Council of Europe in the field of youth. I'm Ismail Pais Civico and together with Lana Bazic we will be hosting this episode. We hope you enjoy. Today we are talking about learning mobility. At the Youth Partnership, we coordinate the platform called European Platform on Learning Mobility, EPLM. And as a part of uh, the work of promoting learning mobility, we are also talking about three important topics, quality, sustainability, and community impact. Today, in this podcast, we are focusing on quality in learning mobility. Why is it important? How to make sure that your projects and activities are following certain quality standards? How they can be adjusted to your context? And what are the things you should be aware of when talking about quality? Today with us, we have Marta and Darko, who are experienced uh, trainers, facilitators, practitioners, uh, and also uh, users of quality tools. So welcome to both of you. Can you maybe introduce yourself, Marta? Mm-hmm. Uh, so my name is Marta brzezinska Hubert, and I'm a freelance trainer and facilitator. Uh, so for uh, many, many years, I've been part of uh, trainer pools uh, connected very strongly with uh, learning mobility, such as uh, European Solidarity Core, pool of trainers in Poland and if at work trainers pool and also some other um, teams in which we uh, design, implement and evaluate training and trainings and other learning uh, activities uh, for individual participants and also for organizations. Thank you, Marta and Darko. Hello everyone, my name is Darko Mitevski, I'm originally Macedonian now living and working in, in Germany. I'm president of Naturkultur um, NGO. It's a youth organization that is um, working in the northwest of uh, Germany. We are an um, organization that is providing youth opportunities for youngsters from 13 to 30 um, in the um, area of uh, youth exchanges, training courses, uh, European Solidarity Corps uh, and other volunteering programs. Uh, we have like a, a lot of local activities and other other things. Um, I'm as well for a very long time in youth work. I started as a youngster, um, maybe 20 years ago or something like this. Um, and since then have been part of like various organizations, been a trainer and facilitator on international level founder of the Trainers Library, which is like a very large resource tool for um, education of trainers and youth workers on European level. At the moment, I'm writing book reviews for the European Journal of Social Work and probably a few other, few other roles and activities. Thank you very much, both of you, for those introductions. And I'm actually quite glad that you have the uh, diversity of professional background, let's say, because like we just spoke about before, a bit more of a complementation between both of your inputs uh, in terms of the content we are going to discuss right now. And just to kick it off a bit with a very, very general question, um, I'm wondering how you experienced, let's say, the restart of the learning mobility, and then we can start linking it with the tools that we're going to speak about just in a bit. Uh, Marta, if you would like to 
start with the, the very general topic and then we can get more into the details. Okay, so actually, um, yes, I'm restarting in-person meeting, but uh, even during the lockdown, I was very actively involved in, let's say, virtual learning mobility or just in um, trainings and workshops that were supporting uh, the learning mobility that were taking part despite uh, pandemic, uh, which was mainly uh, European Solidarity Corps activities. And it's true that it was demanding, but at the same time, I think a lot of uh, trainers uh, and facilitators uh, our programs managed to, uh, to create very interactive uh, and effective say, activities online. At the same time, I, um, I can see now uh, having the possibility to meet people and to uh, come back to uh, residential trainings how uh, important it is to meet in person and all this added value of people meeting and having uh, the possibility to you know experience with all the senses both the human interaction but also for me as an intercultural trainer it's, it's very important that you can really feel different uh, different uh, cultural elements as well that are all uh, around so uh, for me it's a mm, it's a huge celebration and restart of uh, this uh, unique dimension, human dimension of learning. And also from another perspective, me as a learner, uh, I also had already a few like a few occasions to, to go and to meet other uh, trainers and to, to, to reconnect, uh, to work on uh, new projects and at the same time to uh, take part in some conferences uh, in which I can improve my, my skills and also get new perspectives and it was very enjoyable and enriching experience. So I'm definitely very happy that uh, it's, uh, uh, it's going uh, already, uh, not only virtually, which I also, as I said, I also uh, like a lot and I believe it's very beneficial. Uh, at the same time, physical mobility right now is something that not only me, but a lot of people need in, in Europe. Darko, I will pass on now the word on to you and maybe you have uh, anything else to add because you are also very involved on the peer-to-peer, -peer, let's say, communication and, uh, and mobility with other young people, with your organization. So what is your perspective, let's say, on the... Uh on that restarting of learning mobility? Yeah, so uh, we were quite severely impacted by the corona pandemic, to be sincere. So let's say like we came like to one moment to a full stop of not doing any activities like for like several months. The lockdown in Germany like lasted quite long and it had impact not just on the young people of, of kind of like not having opportunities and not um, continuing with their lives and development, but also kind of like all of the systems that were built through the years, like with employees, with um, budgets, with, with processes, like they all got disrupted. So it took a while to be sincere, like it took a lot of effort to kind of um, come back on the feet. Um, the financial damages were, were, were quite severe. There were people who left the organization. Um, there were people who left in, in completely youth work and they went in, in other fields and then the young people also kind of like um, in a way disconnected from the from the organization so um 
we needed to start from the very beginning. Like we needed to start like small. Uh, it was like last um, August. It was the first project camping project where uh, on open air, like with all of these hygiene rules, um, we found a way together with all of our partners, with the young people, with everyone together, basically, how can we organize a project within Corona times? Um, and then from then on, we took it as a learning experience, like kind of building on this momentum step by step, like how to implement hygiene standards, how to implement um, this plug and play uh, uh, projects where in a very short time we can set up like an activity for young people and we can go into implementing it. So I'm also very much looking forward, like we're like in full swing, I have to say, like, like things are looking quite well. Um, we have like one or two activities per month at the moment with all of the safety and hygiene protocols being implemented. So kind of the core, we survived the Corona pandemic and now we can maybe kind of build and share our, our experiences. Thank you, Darko. Both of you mentioned that, you know, slowly we are coming back to doing the activities in person and also reminding ourselves of how youth work face-to-face -face actually works and how can we start implementing activities again uh, and learning together and also working together and working with young people. And now that we are coming back into this in a face-to-face -face format, what are some of the things that we need to consider? What do we need to remind ourselves of in terms of the quality of learning mobility projects? Maybe to rephrase, uh, what are the things that we need to consider in order to make sure that the new projects that are now taking place post-pandemic are actually of good quality that actually correspond to the needs of young people and that we are doing them in a way that are most beneficial uh, for young people across Europe? Yeah, so um, if we're observing kind of like research-based um, um, and then data so about like what happened uh, in the pandemic with the young people like the the numbers are quite um, disturbing so like um, the latest research in the 27 um, countries in the european union shows that um, the um, the percentage of young people dealing with mental health issues is somewhere between 30 and 40 percent uh, with anxiety with stress with um, depression uh, with a different kind of mental health challenges, something that we haven't experienced. A few days ago, uh, a report about the UK came out where like more than 500,000 young people are waiting for mental health support. Um, and starting from there, like observing how severe the, the situation is from our point um, as, as youth workers and like what I know is the strategy of the German government is to do as many uh, youth activities as possible, like to take the youngsters outside, um, to continue their learning, like to um, come back to some sense of normality where like they belong to different communities that they can exchange and they can interact with their peers. They can kind of continue with their lives because like they're the most impacted by the, by the pandemic. And then it's not, it's not easy to take into consideration all of the um, hygiene and safety protocols that are in every different country, especially if we're talking on European level. Each country has their own protocols, each country has their own vaccination standards and what they accept. And then uh, combining all of these things with the pedagogical part of the, the organizing like youth, youth activities, even if they're on local level, 
there are quite many challenges that influence the implementation of the activities. Therefore, like we need kind of like a, a, a different mindset. We need a different approach where all of these things will be taken into consideration, especially the the mental health of, of the young people as well of the, the, the youth workers. Therefore, like the, the quality or um, some kind of uh, standard operating procedures are needed to be set in place that will um, allow the youth organizations, the youth workers to navigate through this complex place. For example, like what happens if some of the participants are, are positive on COVID? How do we continue with the activities? How do we uh, talk it out with the rest of the uh, participants? How do we uh, reach the um, building of the group dynamics between the young people? How do we uh, continue with the project itself within this kind of like complex surrounding? And then therefore, like I think that we need to clearly identify set of operating procedures, like uh, maybe principles or indicators that are going to be driving us through this map. So. Um, kind of that we will have different kind of directions that we will know what are the actions that, that we can take in certain situations and not reflect and then kind of try to figure out uh, what to do when the situation uh, has happened. So this, this gives like totally different approach and how, how prepared the, the youth organizations and the, the young people are to uh, interact with each other and in this like complex environment. As for me, I, I think that now it's a very important moment to sometimes even redefine what quality means. Because before it was for many organizations uh, I also was working with, it was so natural that they organized the learning mobility activities. And there was sometimes no space to have a, a, a break and to look from the distance what works well, what can be improved and so on. And now, if, since it's a, call it like a restart of activities, then it's even inter, very much interconnected with taking a fresh look and uh, to check and to come back to the needs, to the needs of uh, young people, to the needs of community, to the needs of the organization. And uh, very often it may happen that there is a possibility to take uh, new ways of doing things which are more effective or maybe more diverse or creative. And for sure, the starting point is the form of the activity, because now we just have so many different options with blended learning and, and, uh, and hybrid and residential. So also uh, there is a choice what, to, what suits most which part of the activity. Yeah? So it doesn't have to be just one. But on the other hand, I agree with Darko that young people, with everything that they have experienced and have been experiencing, because there are still some things happening in the world, uh, conflicts, uh, there are still some uh, difficult situations. So for sure we live uh, in a very demanding and unique times. So it's even more important from my perspective to focus on, uh, on the social competences, on well-being and to give them so some, some space uh, and some time to reconnect and to provide some support for sure. Yeah, I, I agree completely. What I want to add is kind of, I had a conversation with um, a youngster a few days ago saying, I would like to participate in the activities, but I don't feel ready because like I haven't been socializing for such a long time. 
that it's not easy for me to be in a group with like 30 people and then to be kind of active for 24-7 and things like this. And then this is the, the taking in con consideration their needs, you know, like to, to kind of adjust all of the programs, to adjust how we do the work based on their needs, about the well-being, kind of like to look deeper than just, are you okay? You know, like, so yeah. because uh, they wouldn't open up very quickly with what kind of struggles and challenges they have. Yeah. And then for this, we need time. We need patience. We need resources. We are not psychologists. So we need to create platforms where they will feel safe to open up and to engage in activities. Or a lot in this corona pandemic has been focused on, on the on the digital skills of young people, but no one is talking about the digital safety, about being aware of, of when um, they're addicted to the phone or when are they um, depending um, on their self-image, on the notifications and, and the likes that they get on Instagram. So we don't do enough in this part. And then this is what we need to, together with the young people, kind of like review, reconsider, and kind of like reassess the needs uh, of of today you know like mm -hmm. not what was like five years ago not what will be in five years but like to sit down reassess the needs and then uh, based on what comes out of these like uh, honest conversations to kind of adjust ourselves like to discuss uh, with the institutions of how can they support us as youth workers so we can engage with the with the young people according to their needs just one more thing. There are also some advantages of that uh, because young people and organizations become more and more aware of uh, of uh, ecological costs, for example, and uh, they put uh, more importance to sustainability when it comes to travel and uh, also uh, digital tools because they also generate uh, e-waste. So there, there is more quality also in this uh, areas that were before maybe they were present, but they were somehow not the priority. And now they are also becoming priorities in the programs. And also there are some interconnections between them. So it's more and more uh, visible. And some of the learning mobilities are also concentrating, concentrated around these topics that are now very important for young people, for uh, for organizations, but also for the whole society. Yeah? So uh, this is uh, one of the advantages that uh, now we can benefit from. I'm very glad to hear on uh, on both your sides, specifically when this whole line of questioning that happened when the pandemic hit and the following lockdowns and everything, and not just with both your experiences from what I'm hearing, but in the whole sector overall. And of course, that we spoke a lot about the what are the current needs of young people. But from what I'm seeing that, for better or for worse, COVID actually has adapted a kind of resilience in the youth sector in, in most of its ways, because now we actually know how to adapt consequently in, for instance, now what happened with COVID. And before in that question is, what can be like a concrete example of general good practices or good protocols? We can maybe speak about the, the digitalization of learning mobility tools and youth work in a more general manner. Uh, but that you spoke now that you had quite a few interactions recently with young people and what can what is your perspective let's say or what have you done to adapt to those current needs that young people do have uh, following the psychological um, impact that the pandemic had in these past few years yeah very good question so this is not kind of like very quick adjustment that we can do is like it requires expertise it requires know-how like steering of our activities like the, the there are good sides out of the pandemic so kind of like the i i think the effectiveness 
of the whole sector have, has risen you know like with all of these zoom meetings like there there is no need of in-person coordination the coordination with partner organizations with different actors goes like much easier much quicker much more effective but on another side kind of all of these challenges that have happened are not easy to tackle so what happened in germany which kind of enabled us i think this was the kind of this deciding factor of of do we continue with the activities or not is the the, the full dedication from the institutions to support us in the process. So what the German government did, like they co-financed all of our activities in order to cover the losses, in order to have additional people that are going to kind of engage with the young people because like all of these activities were disrupted and we needed to figure out ways. And there was trust from the side of the government to recognize the increased cost, the increased need for additional staff or additional personnel to kind of like 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 think of a, a way of how to rebuild to, together and to restart. And then here I see increased capacity in, in the youth organizations. Here is where the quality comes from. You know, like youth work is for years working on on verge of resources. You know, like if you look at what percentage of the gross domestic product of, of countries is being invested in, into youth work is minor. You know, like if you look at local governments, what kind of money do they invest for the young people? Although they're 30% of the population, they're investing 0.1% of their budgets, 0.5% of their budgets. So like we need kind of like a global consensus on what does it mean quality and uh, what, what do the youth organizations need in order to provide the quality experience for the young people. And then this has already started, like these processes are like with the third uh, European Youth Work Convention, with the bond process, with like all of these global or European mostly um, processes that we go into that direction, but like we need a stronger commitment. We need um, um, to enable the youth organizations to provide uh, much, much more and much better quality uh, activities for the young people, regardless if it's on, on, on local, national or, or international level. I can just only add from my side also this perspective of trainers and facilitators and mentors and all the people that were involved in education. That, uh, As I already mentioned, that despite pandemic, lockdown, uh, we the youth field, this digital learning, mobility, let's call it like this. I, from my perspective, it was very quick when we actually restarted, but in the digital form. So when uh, lockdown started, already in the age, end of March 2020, I was running trainings for EC volunteers online uh, with, my, uh, with my colleagues and also a lot of other workshops, conferences, also this massive online open courses for the youth work and young people were uh, put uh, in practice and the quality was improving like it was an instant growth of quality with new tools new platforms uh, new options and also young people and youth workers getting used to this kind of, of work and sometimes it was also not only sitting in front of the computer because with asynchronous learning you could implement some activities that could be done, uh, you know, in your local community with communication with other members of organizations, and and so on. So I would like also to to stress that stress that that from my perspective, this educational 
team of all people involved in education of young people, non-formal education in the European Union was really much uh, involved and active. And also I can refer it to, uh, to the tools, the quality tools, when we talk about quality and we have the co-op and the handbook. Since they are uh, digital, especially co-op, they might have been, uh, we could use them uh, also uh, in our trainings and other educational activities easily because people could just um, connect and, and use them. And that's uh, also very important that we have a lot of resources and materials that might be uh, used both offline and online, uh, depending on the possibilities and, and the context. At this point, it really is up to both of you, because you actually mainly spoke about everything that we had in the general questions. And mm. if you have anything else you would like to add, please uh, feel free to do so. Yeah, I would like to add something. Like I'm, I'm kind of like missing the, the strategic push, the strategic kind of support of the youth sector. You know, like, so a lot of words have been said, a lot of declarations have been made, a lot of council of ministers have these conclusions that are very strong, but I, I can't see in day-to-day -day operations, I can't see it in my daily work, this like very strong support, like on the convention was like, like metaphorically said as wind in our backs. So, and this is something that I'm missing in, in terms of quality. Like, I would like to see the tension that is being put on quality much, much stronger. I would like to see the resources that are being dedicated for different parts of the processes, not just like resources for the organizations. So they would have like more money to implement the activities, but to kind of like to raise the expectations of, of what does it mean to have like a learning outcome. Uh, to kind of strengthen the, the human capacity, you know, like so new roles and positions are, are appearing like in, in part of COVID, like for example, like what we would like to have like a permanent supervision in youth work for our team and for the young people that are. So this is like important part of, of the quality that we're talking about or um, to be able to reach out to different institutions, to, 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 to reach out these non-formal education methods. They all need a little bit more so in order to do our work and this is what i would like to ask so because like this is our platform i would like to ask our lovely politicians and decision makers to come to come and to meet with us and then to kind of like talk about what are our needs vis-a-vis uh, -vis the needs of the young people how has the the environment changed how has the post-pandemic life look these days and what can we together do for increasing the the quality of youth work uh, oh, i agree so much uh, uh, i i just wanted to say that there is so much quality in the work that youth workers and and trainers have been doing and there is a need for more recognition and the links uh, this is what darko also mentioned the links with the formal education and fortunately already we have such initiatives for instance uh, for t almost 12 years i'm uh, involved in the among others project 
in which uh, we are giving workshops to students of education in the Polish universities, but also it, it's implemented in other uh, uh, countries. So uh, we give uh, workshops to students in the formal setting, and it's to prepare them to work in an intercultural classroom by using all our wisdom and, and, and methods that we have developed in non-formal education sector. Thank you both. Uh, I think we discussed uh, quite a lot the context, uh, the challenging context that we experienced over the last two years and the need and also the amazing ability of the youth sector to adapt, to be flexible and also to use all the tools and guidelines that we have to increase the capacities of both youth workers and young people. And Darko also mentioned the challenges and the things that are still missing and still needed so that we can really work together on improving the quality both in practice and in policy. And with those ending notes, we have reached an end to our episode. Thank you very much, Marta and Darko, for participating in this podcast, and Dolana for co-hosting this episode with me. And to all the listeners, remember to follow us on Instagram at EUCOEYouth to stay up to date with all our future content. Thank you very much, and see you next time.